Welcome to the Revolutionary Health Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center. I am a licensed clinician in search of how to live a meaningful and healthy life. I challenge both traditional and functional medicine ideologies in search of truth and wisdom. I allow room for curiosity and always keep an open mind. I enjoy deep conversations with my guests, giving them a safe space to share their research and personal observation, as I feel both equally contribute to the body of knowledge and human experience. Note that the opinions of my guests do not always reflect my own, whether I share that openly or not. And of course, the podcast is for educational purposes only. We do not offer medical advice. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for some intimate and unique discussions about finding wellness in the 21st century. Welcome to 2022, everybody. I'm so grateful to share the space with you here today. Since it's January 4th, I thought I would begin by sharing some fun facts about New Year's resolutions. Did you know that most New Year's resolutions fail by the sixth week of the year? And by the end of the year, only 8% of people actually end up keeping their resolutions. So then we have to ask ourselves, why do most New Year's resolutions fail? Well, here are the top three reasons why most New Year's resolutions fail. Number one, the goals are unrealistic. Number two, there's no method for keeping track of progress. Number three, and there's a tie here, either too many goals were created or the goal was too broad. If you're listening right now and you've already come up with your goal for the year, think about how realistic it is. Think about how you're going to get there. So often we focus on the results when we need to focus on the actionable steps that will get us those results. And we need to plan for any roadblocks that may come our way because roadblocks are inevitable, right? But succumbing to them isn't, not if you plan right. I don't know about you, but I am one of those people that really loves New Year's resolutions. I know a lot of people listening don't love them. And I get it. I I think that, I think if you have a goal in mind, waiting until New Year's Day probably isn't the best idea. Like if, you know, today is the best day to start. But here's how I like to plan for the new year. And I, I like to do some fun things, some fun activities that make starting a new year exciting and nuanced and fun for me. Each year, I come up with a word for the year. For 2022, my word is growth. My practice hit a big turning point in this fall winter season. And my hope is that I can keep up with the growth that I'm experiencing. I have plans to grow my business. I have plans to grow my professional development. I have plans to grow in my community. I have plans to grow some friendships with other women in this wellness space. And so that's my word of the year. If that's something that speaks to you, I encourage you to create a word for this year that's specific to you and where you're at in life. The second thing I like to do, and I'm going to share four things with you because I, you know, that's just who I am. I like to do fun activities. (laughs) 
Um, and I got this, the second idea I got from Gretchen Rubin. She has the happier podcast. It was the first podcast I ever listened to. And I was hooked from day one. She has this idea of making a list. And so each year she makes a list of things she wants to do that year. And she calls it her 22 for 2022 list, right? So last year was the 21 for 2021 list. And I think I've been doing it since 19. I think I did 19 for 2019. And that's the year I started. Uh, and just to give you an idea of, you know, things that you could put on this list, they're not usually, they're not always health related. For me in 2021, the first thing on my list was to buy a house, was to buy my first house. I wasn't necessarily looking in January of 2021, but I knew that I wanted to buy a house last year. And I did, uh, February 27th, I think is the day I signed for house. And then I had things. So that, that was a big thing, right? But then you also have little things too. One of my goals was to clean up my iPhone photos. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I like to take lots of screenshots of stupid things and, and they just clutter my phone. So that's a continuous thing that I do is go in and clean up my photos. Um, I also put organized my notes on my phone and I did that uh, last year. Other things could be fun. Like I wrote, make a piece of pottery. Uh, I put what something else fun I had. Oh, uh, host a dinner party with friends. I, I was able to do that. Travel somewhere I've never been before. Last year, I traveled to Boston for the first time and loved it. So now I'm in the midst of creating my 22 for 22 list. And I'm, I'm about halfway there and still coming up with the things that I want to accomplish in 2022. Uh, another idea I have, and, and I've done this in the past, I don't do this every year, but I'm always really happy when I decide to do this during a year. So idea number three is anytime something good happens to you throughout the year, write it down on a sticky note, stop what you're doing and write it on a sticky note and then store those sticky notes in a Mason jar or a box or, you know, something. Then at the end of the year, go back and read all of your sticky notes and reflect on what an awesome year you had. I think it's really easy to forget about some of the wonderful things that happened to us along the way. And I think this is a really good idea to remind yourself of just how good you have it. One final idea, and this one's a little more specific, and I've, I've only done this one once, but one year I had a friend who was going through a hard time. So I made a commitment to myself that I was going to pray for her every day. And I wrote down my prayers on, on little sheets of paper and I stowed them away throughout the year. Now I didn't tell her I was doing this. And at the end of the year, I gave her this container that had a year's worth of prayers and thoughts and well wishes that she could read, you know, on her own time. So she knew, so she could know that, you know, somebody was thinking about her throughout the year um, that made for a really sweet moment. And I really recommend that if that's something that you're into, or maybe, you know, somebody in your life who could use some extra TLC. So those are my fun ways to add flavor to each year so that when I reflect over my life, I can do so with nuance. But I have a health podcast and I know many of you listening have health related New Year's resolutions. And I think that's great too. And I would love to support you in that. Since I know why most New Year's resolutions fail, I use some of those reasons to drive my program development. 
I learned so much about the problems women are facing and what's getting in their way to healing. My rejuvenate and recharge program was born out of working with so many women who suffer from chronic fatigue and difficulty in losing weight. I decided to make this a group coaching program because I think women need a community of other women to support and encourage them. But I also think that we need some specific and realistic guidance along the way. So what does that look like? In this group coaching program, I have self-guided learning modules. This means you get to learn at your pace in your time the things that contribute to why you have trouble losing weight and why you are so fatigued. To understand your problem, you need to know how you got there in the first place. This is known as a root cause approach. And I believe that our environment is the biggest trigger. Over the past 50 years, our DNA hasn't changed, but our environment has changed drastically. We are exposed to more toxins in a month than our grandparents were in their lifetime. Let that one sink in. <laughs> My learning modules will teach you how you are overfed and undernourished. And by overfed, I don't just mean food. Uh, although our food isn't as nutrient dense as it once was. When I say overfed, I mean with consumption of everything, self-care products, your shampoo, your lotion, your makeup, uh, you're overfed with toxic uh, nutrients and our, our, our toxic chemicals in our water, polluted air, even our toxic thoughts, it all adds up. I've attached worksheets to each module to help you take notes and apply what you've learned to your everyday life. I've been told sometimes that working with me is like drinking out of a fire hose. So that's why I put these videos together so that you can watch and rewatch, take notes, watch again, and really learn at your pace uh, and at your speed. If you are listening and you are like, this sounds really interesting, but I'm really new to this. I don't really understand what you're talking about. I have a plan for you based on where you're at in your healing journey. So if you're a novice, if you're a beginner, I have a basic plan. You're going to start with just filtering your water and take one step at a time. If you've been around for a while and you're like, Steph, I've already got my water filtered. Thank you very much. If you're a pro, then I've got another protocol for you to follow. It's a detox and drainage protocol that takes several months to complete. And you'll kind of follow this step-by-step. Step. So that's the self-guided part but I didn't feel like that was enough. And that's why I added the group coaching portion to this. So we can meet together as a community twice a month and talk about the things we learned in the modules, develop realistic goals, have accountability and problem solve those inevitable roadblocks. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know, one of my favorite sayings is two heads are better than one and five are better than two. So each month on our second call, I will be bringing in an expert guest speaker to add value and nuance to your healing journey. I've got someone to teach us about how detox and drainage works, someone to guide us through breath work and breathing practices, because I know so many of you are stuck in that fight or flight mode, and we need to teach our bodies to get into a parasympathetic state to heal. I've got an expert speaker on mindset to help us overcome our self-limiting beliefs and so much more. 
Registration for this is open now. You can visit my website at www.theholistichouse.org. Holistic House is spelled the normal way, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. And house is spelled the normal way, H-O-U-S-E. And you can sign up today. For my founding members, for those who decide to join now, as a thank you, I will lock you into the current membership fee for life. That means that if you want to continue after the six-month program is up, you can do so at this base price, and it will never increase for you. I like to acknowledge and celebrate those who are there from the beginning, and this is a nice way I can do that. All right, now let's talk about today's guest because I'm assuming you've heard of her. She's kind of famous. JJ Virgin, she is a triple board certified nutrition expert and fitness hall of famer. She is a passionate advocate of eating and exercising smarter. JJ helps people stay fired up and healthy as they age. So they feel their best ever at age 40 plus. You may be familiar with JJ because she is a prominent TV and media personality. She was uh, included as the co-host of TLC's Freaky Eaters. She was on uh, Dr. Phil's weight loss challenge. She was the nutrition expert on that for two years. She has numerous appearances on PBS, Dr. Oz, Rachel Ray, Access Hollywood, and the Today Show. She also speaks regularly and has shared the stage with one of my favorite physicians, Dr. Mark Hyman. JJ is the author of four New York Times bestsellers, The Virgin Diet, The Virgin Diet Cookbook, JJ Virgin's Sugar Impact Diet, and JJ Virgin's Sugar Impact Diet Cookbook. Her latest book, Warrior Mom, Seven Secrets to Bold, Brave, Resilience, shows caregivers everywhere how to be strong, positive leaders for their families. While exploring the inspirational lessons JJ learned as she fought for her own son's life. JJ hosts the popular Ask the, Any, Ask the Health Expert podcast with over 8 million downloads and growing. Uh, she regularly writes for major blogs like Mind Body Cream and other magazines. She also is a business coach and founded the premier health entrepreneur event and community, the Mindshare Summit. You can visit jjvirgin.com for her for hundreds of free recipes and resources plus state-of-the-art programs. Okay, so our plans for this episode were to chat about the secrets to burning belly fat and reducing systemic inflammation, which we do, but I think the most value JJ brings to this conversation is on mindset. And we talk about that towards the end of our conversation. I think JJ is a true master of mindset. So in this episode, we will cover what causes inflammation in the body, how to work smarter and not harder when it comes to burning belly fat, why you should view your body as a chemistry set and not a bank account. It's not as simple as calories in and calories out. If only it were, right? We talk about the underlying and hidden stressors that cause roadblocks to healing and how you can overcome them. We talk about how to master your mindset, overcome self-limiting beliefs, and prevent self-sabotaging behaviors. 
We talk about what advice JJ would have given her younger self. I ask her about, you know, what do you wish you would have known at 25 or 30 years old that you know now? And I love her answer to that question. Definitely stick around for her answer to that question. And then the last thing we cover is the one thing that JJ wants you to leave this conversation remembering. All right, everybody, let's all give a warm revolutionary health welcome to our guest, JJ Virgin. Well, hello, JJ Virgin. Thank you so much for taking time and energy to be with us today. I'm a big fan of yours. I actually, I think I met you on Clubhouse back like, goodness, in maybe February or March. And I've never had the opportunity to really thank you for the impact you've made on me. I left traditional medicine in December of 2020. I was working in acute care and I felt really like alone and kind of excluded. And I met you a couple months later in your community with Mindshare. Like I, <laughs> I feel connected. I feel supported. I feel understood. I feel validated. So I just wanted to thank you for creating a space for people like me to network and, you know, have community with. That makes me ridiculously happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. I, I, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I think I was, I was in the right place at the right time for the right reasons. And, um, you know, I, it's interesting when I was preparing for this episode and I was looking through your history, it kind of looks like maybe you had a similar experience where, you know, some of the ideas that you've been talking and preaching about for, you know, 30 years, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, these were not accepted concepts. Mm -hmm. They were looked at as maybe being um, crazy. Just, yeah. Not, not accepted. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, you so gracefully navigated that space. How did like, how, what advice do you have for going about that? And, and, and what was the thing that like propelled you to keep going? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, was it really graceful? It may not have been so graceful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have thick skin and mm. I have some, had some great mindset trainers and I just believed in what I was doing. And I was determined to make a shift in what I saw out there in the diet culture. And so, you know, I've taken a lot of arrows, but it's totally worth it. And when you really look at, when you have an idea that, and I feel like, you know, idea that I knew was, I knew was true. I mean, I just knew it. I I'd proven it over and over and over again. And that there were so many people out there hurting and I had to get this information out and it was just worth, it was worth a lot of the, you know, stuff I heard, <laughs> I heard that I was crazy that, you know, this wasn't true. I'm like, all right, but you know, I'm, I'm having all these people go through my programs and they're getting great success. So something's working. So I think it's just having a lot of support. It's why I created Mindshare was I, I, one of the challenging things out there in the world is to feel like you're alone and we're not alone. And there's some, some of the most amazing practitioners I've discovered over the years. And again, why I want to start Mindshare were people no one knew about. And I was like, these people need to be out, you know, out into the light of day. People need this information out there. Everyone wants to do better. Mm. It's just, they don't know better. And a lot of the best information is just not available. It is now, but it certainly wasn't 10, 20, 30 years ago. 
so on the topic of, you know, burning belly fat and losing weight, you have a phrase that I, I think you've been saying for a long time that I think is pretty genius and really exemplifies, you know, how we got things wrong. And that's your phrase. Your body isn't a bank account. It's a, it's a chemistry lab. And I'm just kind of wondering, I have so much respect for people that can take really complicated subjects and make them very simple. <laughs> I think that's a challenge, but how did you come to that conclusion? Like, like what did you notice wasn't working and how did you make those shifts to things that were working? Yeah. And, you know, I started out 30 plus years ago, paying my way through graduate school in exercise physiology. And so back then we were told that in order for someone to lose weight, they should not lift weights. Oh my gosh, don't do that. And you should just do 30 minutes, uh, at least 30 minutes of cardio every day. And you wanted to burn 500 calories a day or eat less to create a caloric deficit of 500 calories. So you did it through the combination of eating less and exercising more. And so here I am in graduate school and I am a personal trainer. There are three of us that I know of back then, like that started as personal trainers. There wasn't even a name for it. And I remember going to get a business license and them telling me I couldn't do this. And I'm like, I'm just going to people's houses, helping them work out like, wow. you sure, you know? And so what was interesting was I was doing exactly what they were teaching us in school on creating this caloric deficit and exercising more. And according to the calculations, someone, if they created a thousand calories a day, well then, you know, they should lose two pounds a week, 500, they lose one pound. And I love math. I love math and it didn't work. And so the first thing I figured was, well, these people are lying. And I thought, God, it is so crazy for them to lie and pay money to me. Like, why would you do that? Right. Hmm. Thankfully I took a group of women away for a week to, um, one of the people's houses in hope ranch. And during that time, I tightly controlled their calories and their exercise. And I found that during that week, some people lost weight, but some people gained weight and some people stayed the same. And that's when I went, all right, they're not lying because I'm here. I know what's going on. So clearly there's something more to this than calories. If that's the case, what the heck is it now? I'd gone to UCLA undergrad. So I was used to going into the library because back then we did not have Google. And so I was in the library, like going, what if, if it's not this, what is it? And that's when I started to think, well, what if your body isn't a bank account? What if this math equation stuff is really not the way it works and that we're more of a chemistry lab. And so that was the premise, mm -hmm. you know, our body's not a bank account, it's chemistry lab. And if that's the case, what could get in the way of you losing weight or even cause you to gain weight outside of calories? Because one of the things I was seeing back then, I was a diet Coke addict. Oh my gosh. And I was seeing my clients that were hooked on diet drinks and diet foods and all the artificial sweeteners were getting fatter, not thinner. And so clearly there was something going on with that. I mean, now we know that artificial sweeteners can cause calorie dysregulation, can cause insulin resistance, can change your gut microbiome. Yeah. But back then I just knew that was causing weight gain. I just didn't know why it was causing weight gain yet. So a lot of it was just this determination to figure out how to make this easy, how to make it easy to burn off stored fat for fuel, how to make it easy. So you weren't dieting to just figure out which foods work for you and which foods di didn't right. And to just 
be able to maintain your normal weight. So that dieting wasn't your hobby because so many of my clients back then were, that was their hobby dieting and trying different diets and ultimately mm-hmm. coming back to like, you know, just gaining more weight and more weight and more weight. I met a woman back then too. Um, her name was Dr. Diana Schwartzbein and her whole thing was you don't lose weight to get healthy, you get healthy to lose weight. And that in order to lose weight, you have to heal your metabolism and you have to fix your adrenals and you have to fix your insulin, mind blowing stuff back then. Right. Like, you know, game changing. And so I started to look at that and I go, well, well, besides insulin and adrenals, like what else would have an impact? You know, what happens with your gut? What happens with toxins? What happens with your thyroid? And so that's really where I've spent all my time. And I'm really happy nowadays that this is all super mainstream that, you know, you still hear a little bit of this, you know, calories in calories out. I mean, talk about like the urban legend that will not die. And Hey, here's the thing, calories in calories out for a metabolically healthy person, eating healthy food that works for them in the right amounts, the right times could totally work for the short term, but if you really lower calories over time, you lower your metabolism, but the majority of people are no longer metabolically healthy. They're under stress. They're not sleeping well. They're eating foods that have, you know, toxins in them from plastics to xenoestrogens on down. They're breathing, you know, crappy air and drinking crappy water. And, you know, their gut microbiome has been messed up all of that. So that's the other challenge we have. I mean, we have what 75% of the population now who's overweight or obese. I know it. So clearly you're not metabolically healthy. You cannot be metabolically healthy and obese. They don't coexist. You said something really interesting and that's, you need to get healthy to lose weight. So I, I just learned that the hard way, I guess I like to learn things the hard way. Um, and I just, well, you remember them then, right, (laughs) Stephanie? (laughs) Well, so I, one of the reasons I left the hospitals because I was noticing an uptick in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And that's not something that I had even learned about in school, to be honest. I, I, I wasn't, I was familiar with alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver, mm-hmm. but not, not alcoholic fatty not liver apple disease. juice cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so my first, my flagship program, I, I was so proud of it. It was a 10 day liver detox. And I was using whole foods to help people detox their livers. And then I learned the tough lesson that a lot of the people that I was working with were not healthy enough to go through the detox I was putting them through. Wow. Was that a mind blowing Mm. moment for me to realize, oh, you have to be healthy to be able to, to participate in this. And, um, you just, that registered with me when you were sharing that story. Uh, So you mentioned that, like, there are so many things that can contribute to difficulty and losing weight, like stress. And, And I know you talk about these in the sugar impact diet, and in the virgin diet book, um, sleep, you talk about food sensitivities, blue light toxins and self-care products. I mean, it's a lot more complicated than, you know, that caloric input output equation. Mm-hmm. Goodness, wouldn't life be easier if it was right. Um, and I really love how you talk about how so many things contribute to systemic inflammation, which of course is going to prevent somebody from feeling and looking their best. So my question is what, like what is your method for addressing the whole person and really meeting them where they are so that they can get their health back? Yes. I'd say my method is to not overwhelm. Mm, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I read this book early on 
um, as I was putting programs together, because I still remember the first client I ever took to the gym as a personal trainer. And I'd been an aerobics instructor that I, that I started doing that, took a client to the gym, taught her everything I'd learned. She was in bed for a couple of days. She was oh. so sore. Her back was trash, you know, two hour workout when she wasn't used to ever lifting weights. And, uh, that's like what not to do. And, you know, as you start to learn all this stuff and you learn the role of stress and sleep and blood sugar and weight training and intermittent fasting, I mean, it's very easy to kind of go in and, and go, okay, let's get going. And it's overwhelming. And really what you need to do is just what you said, meet someone where they're at, find out where they want to go, and then help them with a very specific path. That's not a straight line because all along the way, you're going to be learning things. What worked for you, mm. put that into your everyday eating plan. What didn't take it out? You know, what worked for you in your lifestyle? What doesn't take it out? But one thing at a time, like that book by mm. Gary Keller, one thing at a time. So when I start with, with someone, what I want them to do is just start with the virgin diet with figuring out which foods work for you and which foods don't. That's such mm. a mind blowing idea that we are moving from calories in calories out to really pinpointing, how do I feel when I eat these foods? You know, am I able to lose weight and keep it off by eating these foods or are these foods? Like I'll eat a food and go up two to three pounds the next day. That wasn't the food calories. That was the food creating inflammation. Mm -hmm. You did not eat enough of a food to gain three pounds of weight overnight. And we've all had it happen. Right. And that is purely that you ate something that your body didn't respond well to created an inflammatory response and bam, it shows on the scale, learn that. So the first thing I like to take people through is once they've committed to knowing that they're worth it and that the most important thing they can do, the most selfless thing they can do is their self-care. And it starts with what's the end of their fork is we mm -hmm. go through a process where we first pull out the most common foods that we tend to be intolerant to and detox from them. And when you really think about it, when you want to lose weight, when you want to lose, and when, when I say weight, I'm really saying fat. And especially you want to make sure that as you're losing weight, you're losing your waist. Cause if you're not, you're making yourself worse, right? Not better mm -hmm. losing a bunch of weight on your arms and legs and having a big belly just means that you've got a metabolic problem there right. either with insulin or, or, or stress or both. But as you're losing weight, you want to make sure you're able to burn off that fat. So step one is to start detoxifying. And, you know, when I think of a detox, one of the biggest ways we get toxins in is through foods. And one of the big things is when you're eating foods that aren't working for you and it's creating an inflammatory response. And we know that if you've got excess inflammation, it can lead to obesity. Obesity creates inflammation. Inflammation creates obesity. It's a bad, vicious cycle. So that's the first part is that detoxing down and swapping out those foods that could be hurting you with foods that will help heal your gut. So, you know, okay. swapping out that pasta for say spaghetti squash, swapping out the, the dried fruit for berries, some simple swaps that probably you'll like these things even better. Mm -hmm. And then as you go through that, at the end of that, if you let your body reset, kind of find that new normal where you don't have the gas and bloating and the joint pain and the headaches and the brain talk and the fatigue that you probably been told are normal for you. And they're not, they are your body's email system of like, Hey, something's wrong here, right? You should not be feeling tired and need a nap every afternoon. You shouldn't be having joint pain. You shouldn't be having gas and bloating, right? These are signs that something's not working for you. 
And you're also stepping on the scale every day to see that things are starting to shift. And I found that when you work through food intolerance, some of the people who haven't been able to lose weight in years, all of a sudden are seeing a scale change that they thought was impossible. Once you've gone through that, then you can connect the dots. You got to go through reset, heal, and then give your body that time where you take one food at a time and you rechallenge to see how it feels for you. Does this food work for me? Or did the scale just go up three pounds? Does this food work or does my energy crash or I have cravings or I have joint pain or headaches? So you go back and now you've figured out which foods work for you and which foods don't. And that is a huge thing. And, and talk about helping you get off like the, the whole dieting as a hobby. Mm -hmm. I think if you knew that if you ate a pizza, you'd have joint pain and your skin would break out and you'd be congested. It's a very different thing than I'm going to have a cheat day, right? When you know what things work for you and what foods don't, it's a totally different conversation. So that's where I like to start. Once we've gone through that, then I start to go into, let's look at macronutrients. Like how do you do with carbs so that we can figure out you know, where you should be? You know, I see people diving into fasting and diving into keto and you really have to train for that. That's not something you just dive into just like you discovered, you know, just, you can't just take anyone and put them through a liver detox. You have to step into these things, meet someone where they're at. And if someone wants to start intermittent fasting, which I think is one of the most amazing therapeutic things you can do, you actually have to do some things for your body and your blood sugar first so that you're able to do that successfully. Absolutely. Well, you kind of answered my follow-up question <laughs> right off the bat. Cause, um, I was going to ask, I, I think making the decision to take ownership of your health can, can be both empowering and it can be overwhelming. And so if you, if you're, if you had any advice for the person who's listening, who's just like, I'm tired of not feeling well, well, I'm tired of being tired and I don't know where to begin. I think your advice, you know, to start with, you know, small, simple swaps could be a, a good, a good starting point. One of the things that I do I'm really interested in environmental toxins. That's kind of what got me to this space is I had mold toxicity. And, and of mm -hmm. course, when you have mold, uh, your first or 17th doctor doesn't think to check you for that when your symptoms are, you know, gastrointestinal, nobody thinks to check, test you for mold. And the, the interesting thing about mold is if you don't address the root cause, if you don't address the mold, it just colonizes yep. in your body and becomes worse and worse and worse. And I was 29 years old and I looked down and I was on all these prescriptions all of a sudden. And I was like, what the heck? I'm not getting any better, but I bring this up um, because so, so what I do to try to kind of lighten the load is I, to my community, I email out a weekly swap. So mm -hmm. um, swap your Gladware for Pyrex, right? Just a, one simple thing you can do. I try not to make it overwhelming and just each week, here's a simple swap you can make in your home just to reduce your exposure. Because I'm, I'm guessing that my cup was already filled to the brim by the yeah. time I was exposed to mold. If I were a healthy person and exposed to mold, I may not have had the same reaction. So I, I think I, I like that. Uh, I like that advice that, that makes me feel a little validated <laughs> where I'm starting with my journey, because I'm, I am learning so much right now about goodness, all things like integrative health. I mean, I went through the occupational therapy school system. Um, I didn't learn any of this stuff. You know, the things that you're teaching, that stuff is not taught in school and it should be. And so I, I just, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts going on. I know I've searched right all over 40 graduate and doctoral courses. And then I started, uh, I just started going to conferences and reading, mm. um, and it is a journey. And 
and it can be overwhelming. And I had a great mentor early on who said, the sicker you are, the farther back in your ancestry you need to go. Hmm. One of the first places you can start to heal is by changing what's at the end of your fork. And I, I give a great example of Dr. Terry Walls, who is an MD who had an MS and basically was like, I'm not going to live my life in a wheelchair and went and started doing all the research and figured out her diet and supplements and is now back full function. And it's the example of the sicker you are, the further back in your ancestry. She went all the way back to much more of a, you know, diet of 10,000 years ago. Taking a quick break from the show so that we can have some real talk about reducing your exposure to toxins all while supporting a small, local, female-founded business. You know, I have been on the hunt for non-toxic candles for years, like literally years, without finding anything that meets my standards. I really enjoy both the aroma and the ambiance that candles have on the, the mood, the vibe, the atmosphere. I mean, candles can make a huge difference in just how cozy your home feels. And okay, I know this is going to sound like first world problems, but I felt really deprived when I had to give up candles after my run-in with mold toxicity because literally nothing on the market is safe. And that's when I came across Sea Love candles. Not only are these the best smelling candles and also, if I might add, cutest looking candles on planet Earth, but they are 100% non-toxic and they're eco-friendly. The founder, Stacy started this company because her husband had asthma and he couldn't tolerate the synthetic fragranced candles. So what did she do? She started making her own. This company is a small batch shop off the coast of Maine, and I highly recommend considering giving them your business over the big box chain companies that provide little in terms of quality and sustainability. Visit sealovecandles.com. That's S-E-A, like, you know, the water, C, love, L-O-V-E, candles.com, and use the code HOLISTICHOUSE10 for 10% off your purchase as a thank you for both listening to this podcast and supporting a wonderful small business. Again, that's S-E-A-L-O-V-E, candles.com. And the code is Holistic House 10. I love the warmth and the glow of these candles at night. I, I actually, I even light a candle at my desk on a rainy day. It just, it makes me so happy. And I hope it'll make you happy too. Okay, let's get back to the show. I always like to start with food. It is interesting because environmental toxins are such a big deal. I have so many friends who've had issues with mold. You said a really important point of, you know, your body, I, I like to do an assessment called a total toxic burden because there's only so much you can handle. And, you know, some people are far better detoxifiers than others. And some of it is just like, how well do you sweat? You know, are you eliminating? Well, do you eat a lot of fiber? Do you have a lot of green plants? Are you drinking a lot of water and green drinks and eating lots of green vegetables? There's so many things you can do there. But if you've got that toxic burden up and you're not eliminating well, you've got to get it out. And if it's your house and you know that all of a sudden, gee, when I went on vacation for a week, I felt totally different, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, sign. Um, I tend to start everything with, with the shift in the food and see how far we can get. Mm -hmm. And when I do the virgin diet, I pull all of the top offending foods out at once because the challenge is that the top six 
I found most people react to at least two of those and quite often all of them. And so if they're going to pull them out, they don't want to pull out the ones that are hurting them because generally if you're intolerant to the food, you tend to crave the very food that's hurting you. So, you know, if you pull out, if you've got seven foods that could be hurting you and you decide to pull out five of them and you sit back down on two and you let's liken that to tax and you're sitting on seven tax and you pull out five and you sit back down, it's still going to hurt. So yep. <laughs> the first thing I have people do, right. Is pull all those things out. Love that. And see, and that's, you know, what it allows you to do too, is see, well, how far can I get with foods that are reacting to me? Is this helping me? I find, you know, most people can get 80% better and then they can start to fine tune, but they feel so much better that now they have the energy to be able to go, all right, what else could be going on? Mm -hmm. You know, is it stress? Is it poor sleep? Is it a thyroid problem? Am I insulin resistant? This didn't take me all the way. Do I have a toxic overload that I need to address, mm -hmm. which is very different than doing a, you know, a simple detox. It is a, you're going to go in. I've had, I've had, you know, heavy metal detox. I had a son who got had massive detox issue um, with heavy metals. And when you get to those levels, you need to work with a doctor, right. And really yeah. fix things. Yeah. So that's, it's so interesting um, that you say that, what I did, um, the first thing that we really did with, with mold is uh, my husband and I, we ate 100% organic and we made our own food for a year and a half. I did not eat out. I didn't eat socially. I just made my own food. And, and I, and I understand that that's really extreme and that is not a long-term solution because I, I, I also understand, you know, you have to, there has to be a balance there. But Whatever, made... Look at the last year. I mean, the people that <laughs> yeah. knew how to cook won the, <laughs> Yeah. you know, so it is not as hard as people, this is, it is not as hard as people think it's not mm. as crazy to think of cooking your own food and, <laughs> you know, going out, try to leave going out to once or twice a week, you were way better off. Well, and just to your point, like that may just that step alone made a right? profound impact on the way that I felt. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. You vote with your, your fork three times a day and, uh, that, Two to that three really times matters. a day. And I'm glad you said you three, not like six, um, <laughs> but it is, it is important. And it's when I look at the areas of weight loss resistance, one of the things I look at is like, what, what could get in the way of you losing weight or cause you to gain weight? Mm. And the first thing I started to notice was people were trying to eat healthy, but they were eating foods that could be hurting them. That's the virgin diet, mm. you know, things like gluten and dairy and eggs and corn and soy and peanuts and sugar and artificial sweeteners. And then the next thing was all the places sugar was sneaking in that people had no idea. They thought they were doing healthy, having that green drink that was loaded with apple juice, you know? And I mean, that's where you're seeing fatty, fatty yeah. liver, like fatty liver. This is crazy that we have fatty liver going on. You know, it's crazy that 75% of the population's overweight or obese. There's just a, lo a lot of stuff that shouldn't be happening. So that's the next place. But once you've looked at all that, it's like, all right, well, what's going on with toxins? It's one of the biggest threats that we have now, everything from, you know, the plastics to the cans, to the <laughs> dry cleaning, to the carpets. It, we've been just remodeling our house. So we are looking at everything so carefully in terms of the paint and the carpet and everything that you can do, the right. air filters, right? And we live in Florida. So one of the first things we did when we bought the house was like an extreme mold check. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. 
we, we are doing the same thing. We moved, um, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and we moved um, into a, a home, a different home uh, several months ago. And so, you know, looking for non-toxic options for furniture, paint, you know, all of the things, something that I wouldn't have thought about 10 years ago right. because I didn't know it was a thing. But I'm I'm really grateful that I, I think people are are waking up to these concepts. I think people are caring about organic because they feel bad. <laughs> yeah, because we can't. Um... And and you go to a, the t- traditional doctor who's not taught any of these things. Not their fault. This right. is not what they were taught. You know, they're taught okay, you're diabetic, and here's when they get to this point, give them this medication. They're not taught to go, why are you diabetic? And what's really interesting is you look at the NHANES study that was correlating diabetes with obesity. And what they discovered was that obesity was not creating the diabetes. It's the toxins stored in the fat that was creating the insulin resistance that was leading to the diabetes. I mean, scary stuff. So, you know, it's, it's just a deeper thing that you have to go through. And then you have to go, where's that coming from? And then you start to look at things like, oh my gosh, what do I do now that my house, I just had another girlfriend who totally healthy gal, then bam, you know, over the course of a couple months got super sick and gaining weight and black mold in their new house they'd moved into, you know? So, and it's, well, that's, and that's a myth that I, I learned about mold because the place that I got mold at was a brand new construction. I was the first person to live there. And I didn't think it was even possible for mold to be in new construction. And I, I, again, I like to learn lessons the hard way. So (laughs) I learned that one. I I wanted to ask you, for me, the thing that stands out about you the most for me is your mindset. I've listened to you talk on, gosh, every podcast that's out there since, since I've met you in February, I've, I've really been drawn to um, just your energy and, and the information that you put out there. And I want to know, like, I've learned the hard way that mindset is what's ultimately going to determine my success in anything. And I'm so, I don't want to say envious of your mindset, but I kind of am. I, I would just love to know how you mastered that piece, because something else that we have in common. So we, we both dropped out of doctoral programs for the same reason, as I've listened to you. Talk your mom about is that. proud of you as she is. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mom, my mom loves me no matter what, but I, 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 I had that aha moment when I, I realized I didn't need to get that doctoral degree to do what I wanted to do to help other people. I didn't need, and I, and I, and I think that, you know, maybe as like a woman, there's part of me that had like imposter syndrome thinking, well, I need to get these letters behind my name for me to mean something for me to be able to help somebody. And that's, that's been a hard thing to, to break down. And so, and, and I'm also guessing that I'm not alone in this. I think many people listening can probably relate to not having their minds in the right set for healing. So I'm just wondering if you could give any, any insights or advice on to how you, how you've mastered that. Because I, I think like out of anyone I've ever met, like your mind is just laser focused and that's how you accomplish things. That's how you make the world a better place. And I want to make the world a better place. I just don't know how to um, master that inner critic and master that voice that says, no, you're not good enough. You can't do it. Well, so here's, what's awesome about mindset. It's free. 
it's, it's not about, you know, where you were born, the color of your skin, how tall you are, what you look like, how smart you are. None of that. That is what's super awesome is it's available to everyone and anyone. Now it's free, but it's not easy, right? I was very fortunate in that when I was 30 years old, well, back it up in my twenties, I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and it was my late twenties. And I was going to grad school at university of Miami. And I had a personal training business. And I remember walking down the beach with this, one of my clients who was a self-made multimillionaire woman who'd grown up in a trailer park and barely graduated high school. I'm just setting that up because it will become important. And we're walking down the beach and she said, so why are you in grad school? And I said, well, I want to be more successful. I want to be able to help more people. She goes, oh, all right. Hmm. Interesting. And we keep walking and she goes, so what are you going to do after graduate? I go, I'm going to go get my PhD. She goes, oh, why? And I go, well, obviously, because I want to help more people. Right. And, you know, like, it sounds so ridiculous when you're sitting in retrospect, like here I am with this woman who had a high school education and helped thousands and thousands of people. And yet I'm thinking that I have to do something different. Success leaves clues. And she said, you know, I could help you with that. You don't actually need to go to doctoral school. I can help you be more successful. I can help you make more money. And to that, and I was in my late twenties, I didn't have kids or any of that yet. And I go, this is not about money. Like it was almost, you know, in, in <laughs> it was almost like horror, like money, like it was something evil, you know? And she said, when you turn 30, you will realize you'll change your stance on money. And, you know, you'll realize how important it is. And I went, oh, and I didn't think about any of that. She totally did what's called future pacing. On my 30th birthday, I'd moved back to LA. I was getting my PhD at University of Southern California. And she sent me a box from New Skin, had entered into nutrition. And she sent me a box. And I remember seeing this videotape that I put into a VHS player, a VCR player, a little VHS tape. And it talked about trading time for money and the impact you could make and blah, blah, blah. And I watched this and I went, oh my gosh. I literally dropped out of my PhD program. I sold my personal training business. I moved to Florida and I moved in with her and I was like, all right, I'm ready. Teach me. And first thing that she did when I did this was to put rubber bands on my wrist. And she said, anytime you have a limiting belief now, nowadays you would never say these words, but back then she said, anytime you have a limiting belief, snap your wrist and say, cancel, cancel. (laughs) Now I'm just tell people to say, stop it. Cause cancel is such a horrible, ridiculous, rotten thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what I discovered over the course of a couple of days was that I was full of judgment, limiting beliefs, negative thoughts. Cause I just was snap, 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 snap. But you know, you do that long enough. You start changing it around. She taught me to manage my environment. I stopped looking at the news. I stopped reading the newspaper. I watched who I hung out with. And I started focusing, I would buy these cassette tapes and put them in a Walkman. And I got them from, from, um, this company that had all of these amazing tapes by Brian Tracy and Napoleon Hill and Ogmandino and Tom Hopkins. And all I did was listen to all of these mindset training tapes over and over and over and over. And that's all I would let myself do. I hung out with people who were doing the same thing. I listened to these tapes 
And I started to just, and I, she wanted to train me to be her protege. turns out she was like the biggest mindset trainer in new skin. So here I was thinking I was going to learn how to make money. And she was only teaching me mindset, which at first I was like, I, I came here to learn how to make money. I like, I need to make money. And she goes, you're not ready. Like, once you learn how to master your mindset, all this stuff becomes easy. And it was interesting. I was doing an interview yesterday and they said, you know, I saw that you had a challenging time. I said, I've had a lot of challenging times. Like I've nearly been bankrupt multiple times. My son got hit by a car and left for dead in the street. He nearly died. And my fortunate thing was I had a mindset that was bigger than that, that had been in training. You know, your mindset's a muscle we just need to take it to the gym, just like anything else. And when you go through challenging times and you get through them and you get better, then the next time you go through a challenging time, you're like, Oh, I got this. Like, I mean, my litmus test now of a challenging time is no one is dying. Once you go through nearly losing a child, it makes a whole lot of stuff that most people would absolutely freak out about seem like it doesn't even register on my screen. Right. Mm. And so it's really a reframe. First of all, to understand that if you are not actively working on your mindset and managing your mindset and growing your mindset, then you are being governed by what's around you and what's around you. If you're not careful is absolutely horrific. Like you look at what's going on with the news and most people right now, how negative and scared all the fear driven fear. My buddy, Dave Asprey calls it fear porn going on out there. If you are not managing your environment, what you read, who you hang out with, how you're growing, you're shrinking and you're living in fear. So the cool thing is we have total control over this. You have control over looking at the news or not. You have control over what books you read, what podcasts you listen to, every which friends you spend time with, which family members you spend time with. And so, and some of that might be hard choices, but you know, uh, <laughs> your life is worth it. Like I don't spend time around negative people. I don't spend time around mean people. I don't spend time around people who are not growing and actively making this world a better place because they're in it. And that's all a choice. And so the first step is just making that decision that you're going to do something every single day to step outside your comfort zone. It was one of the biggest things she told me, she goes, you know, the only limitations are the limitations in your mind. And I will tell you that the night my son got hit and the doctors told us we had to let him die and that he had a 0.25% chance he'd make it. And I thought, well, that's all I need. He's not dead. I will go for it, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't have the limitations that you do. I don't have the limiting beliefs you do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to believe that he's going to be 110%. And today, you know, 10 years later, nine years later, he's better than before the accident. And I have to credit that mentor from helping me to believe that way, to see things differently, right? To see the 0.25% instead of the 99.75% chance he wouldn't make it, which is how we've been trained to, to, to look at things, right? So what if the only limitations are the limitations in your mind? What if there was no right or wrong, there just is? Wouldn't we stop judging everybody because they weren't doing things exactly the way we saw them, you know? And what if you could every day, like you could control your destiny. You could, you could have anything that you could imagine if you just knew how to build your mindset to do it and just continue to push out of your comfort zone. So this past year, as I'm always looking for things to help me expand there, it's not something where you can just stay static. If you're staying static, you're contracting. And so this past year, my decision was to start studying Dr. Joe Dispenza. And my husband and I 
have gone now to three of his retreats, two week longs and one four day follow-up. We're going to another one in January. I've had the opportunity to have a breakfast and a dinner with him and, and get to know him a bit. And it's something now that I do every single day is work on that. And, you know, spending, spending 30 minutes every day working on your mindset doesn't cost anything. It's funny, you know, you look at and go, I don't have time. It actually gives you time. You can, you can, you're so much more effective and efficient. So this is something that's available to all of us. And especially now with the internet and Kindles and all of this, there's no excuse to not be spending that time doing it. Right. Wow. JJ, I I feel like I need to just take that snippet and like play this every morning when I wake up. That was such good advice. Um, sorry, it's taking me a moment to digest all of that. I really like that rubber band idea. I think I might, I might no, I'm, I'm about to, we're getting our mastermind together, um, in, next week. And that's one of the things that I'm going to have them do. They're all getting rubber bands. I'm going to play mm-hmm. a video that I love on YouTube and it's called stop it by Bob Newhart. Got to watch this. And it just it's so funny because it just hits this whole thing about how we just have these, we become victims. You know, there are no victims, only volunteers. When Grant got hit, it would have been so easy for him to be angry and to be a victim. And he's never felt that way way once. He has always felt like, you know, this happened for me, yes, not to me. And so that is the first thing that I start to work with when I work in the mastermind with people, because they have to see the opportunities. They have to see that the challenges are going to come up and you don't wish it was easier. You make yourself stronger. If it's easy, then everyone's going to be there. And there's really no opportunity. You want the struggle and the struggle is what makes you great. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't think of one day where things were easy. Everything went perfectly. And I, at the end of the day went, wow, I became a better person today. I really grew right. It's that struggle. It's the challenge. It's Mm -hmm. having to deal with things. It's, and it's also, And it's something that Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about. He talks about having compassion for yourself. You're going to go through those days and you go, you know, I was kind of a jerk today. I don't like the person I was today. I acted like, you know, (laughs) a-hole and I've had those days and I go, you know, so how do I, how do I not do that again? What's the next, what, what do I replace that with next time? And you have compassion for yourself Mm. and that you actually could notice that, recognize it and want to change and improve. Right. Yeah. I I think, you know, I think that was my, my biggest um, problem with the traditional medicine setting I was working in was um, there just wasn't that curiosity or that drive to learn more. And, and and I don't blame anybody. I think everybody was burned out. People were working long hours and it's, it's no, but I, I love what you said that it's, it's not right or wrong. It just is. And so that like, I I'm just so thirsty for knowledge. All I do is read all day long. Um, and I try to not pay attention to the news or negative things that are going to bring me down because it was, it would be so easy for me to take on the weight of the world. And I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to be focused on, on, you know, being a light and making the world better. And, um, I've heard you say before that you are, you know, the product of the five people you spend the most time with. And I'm really um, intentional about the people that I surround myself with. I I try to surround myself with people that are all smarter, more creative and kinder than I am so that I can learn from them. 
So I, I feel, I feel like I'm on the right track. I just need to uh, take more ownership of my own self-limiting beliefs. And if you're listening and and you have those two, you're not alone. (laughs) Here's another way to reframe these things too, Mm. because I looked at, I I remember when I was, I was on Dr. Phil for two years and every time I drove up to Paramount, I expected them to turn me away at the door. Oh, we don't need you. Right. And, you know, I kept thinking I was going to get found out for, for not being good enough. Not like, who are you to do this? And what I realized the reframe for all of this is when you are feeling like, who am I? You're in just the right place because you're outside of your comfort zone right? Mm. You're stepping outside of your comfort zone. When you're not feeling that you're just not pushing hard enough. You're not, you're, you're living in that very comfortable zone where you feel totally great about everything. Push a little bit, push yourself to that fear point, push yourself to the place of like, who am I to do this? And then you know that you're actually where you should be. And there's this great quote by Marianne Williamson, that quote, I, I, have you seen it? You know, who am I to do this? Who, who are you not to do it? You're a child of yes, God. You are I the love light. It. It's such an important one. It's one that I like to read after a lot of the events kind of as a closing statement, but a lot of these things, you know, quite often you'll say, oh, I can't do that. You'll have all the why nots. Mm. One of my girlfriends, Lisa Sasevich says, what if you took that why not? And it was actually your why, right? Just flip it. Very cool. Goodness. You, you give me so I'm sorry. I'm taking an awkward pause. I'm just (laughs) breathing in all that you're, you're giving out. I just this has been, you know, talking about stepping out of your comfort zone. I think I woke up at like four o'clock this morning because I was so excited and nervous at the same time to interview you today. (laughs) So this for me is out of my comfort zone, but I'm so excited and glad to be here because I know that, gosh, I have, you know, thousands of listeners that are going to hear this message and hopefully somebody will listen to this, right. And be inspired or be empowered. Um, and that's, that's why I, I do what I do. Um, because I, you know, I didn't feel like I was contributing to the world as working as an OT in a hospital. To me, I, I had a feeling of like, I could be helping people in a better, more profound way. Although I got to um, tell you, I loved our OT at the hospital at Children's <laughs> Hospital with Grant. <laughs> I loved, loved that team so much. And, so. and I don't, I don't say any, any of that to discredit OTs or what they do. <clears throat> I just felt like for me, you know, I would see, so um, one of the things they do is they order PT and OT when somebody gets their gallbladder removed. And I would be like, why did we have our gallbladder removed? And, you know, did anybody, did anybody talk to you about taking digestive enzymes? No, what's that? And I just felt like this, this deeper calling into, um, Yes. Figuring out why we had, you know, people at the hospital make fun of what they call the frequent flyers, right? The people that keep coming back, you're like, oh, Mr. Jones probably didn't follow his protocol because he's back in the hospital again. And I'm thinking, well, no, we didn't serve Mr. Jones. He's back. (laughs) And so I thank God you feel that way. Amen. (laughs) Well, uh, so I have one final question for you. I want to be respectful of your time. I'm always curious to know, I, f- I feel like you've had all of this, this time to, to grow and just really flourish. And I'm wondering, like, is, is there something that you wish you knew when you were, so I'm 32. Is there something you wish you knew when you were 32 that, you know, now my gosh, there's so many things that I wish I knew you're so lucky. Like, like, uh, <clears throat> I feel like going through life is kind of a series of turning the lights on. Like you just become more and more and more aware. You're like, Oh, why didn't I know that? 
but I will tell you that the single most important thing I think that you can do at this age is to have mentors. Like I have a couple mentors who are in their seventies and they're so wise. And we've created this very, and and when I was in my 30, I had my mentor who was then 50 something. And it's interesting because we're in this very weird place in the United States, not so much in some of these other countries where we don't celebrate the wisdom of, of, you know, our seniors, we tend to be very youth focused. And so what I would tell you is like, search for some amazing people out there in their fifties, their sixties and seventies, and like, follow them, follow Mary Morrissey. She is absolutely like amazing in terms of you want the best mindset training out there. She will blow your mind. Follow Lisa Nichols. She's another one who's just incredible. So find, you know, find those people your age, but also find those people older than you and then, you know, lean into the wisdom that you're going to get from them. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that advice. In fact, I just joined a, a community group in my area with the specific goal of connecting with people that are older than me, because yeah, for whatever reason, we tend to only be friends with the people in our age and that, that I want inter like, if you look at blue zones, they, yeah. they, they're it's, all multi-generational, exactly. right? So. I've made, I've, I've been very intentional about having friends in their twenties, their thirties, their forties, their fifties, their sixties and seventies and eighties. I have friends in their eighties. So I have friends all along the gamut and, you know, I learn from all of them. There's amazing, interesting stuff I get from my friends in their twenties that I would, you know, (laughs) not really get from my friends in their eighties and vice versa. So it it is when we talk about diversity, there's so much to diversity. It's, it's not just diversity of race and religion, it's age and, um, you know, the type of work, but where I don't really differ is I look for certain things in mindset because I'm not going to go hang out with a negative 20 year old, (laughs) you know, it's like ain't happening. Yeah. Well, and that's, and I'll, I'll end with this. Um, when I, when I first started my company and I was focused on environmental toxins, I didn't think about toxic thoughts and I didn't think about toxic people. Mm. I didn't think about those things. Um, and I, and now I feel like those things can contribute to one's health just as much as, oh, you know, that toxic shampoo. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, aim into that. I really, I'm, I'm again, learning the hard way <laughs> as always, no, you're but just it will learning. stick with me. We're, we're all learning all of us lifelong, right? Yeah. Well, I, I so appreciate the opportunity to to meet with you. Goodness. I have learned so much in this short time. I'm really, really grateful for you and, and all that you've done, all that you've done to make this world a better place. And I, I just, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what all you do next. Thank you. Every day working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. JJ taught me new strategies for checking in with my own mindset and tools to set my mind up for success and reaching my goals. My next episode is the long awaited conversation with Morley Robbins on the unknown truth about vitamin D. If you've ever been told you have low vitamin D levels, or you've ever experimented with supplementing with vitamin D, you need to listen to this episode because we cover 
how vitamin D should be measured versus how it's actually measured. We talk about how it's metabolized and where it's stored. We talk about the relationship between vitamin D, copper, iron, and magnesium. And here's my little teaser for you to get you to kind of start thinking about this. The only synthetic hormone that you can buy over the counter is vitamin D. Make sure you subscribe to the show so it'll pop up on your listen list when it airs. And if I've just blown your mind because you didn't know vitamin D was a hormone, uh, I've got links in the show notes for how we can get in touch. I love hearing from you. I love answering your questions. So please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Take care, everybody. Be well and be kind.